0: Hey y'all, just a quick heads up, the episode you're about to listen to is 8 to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time, times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, uh, it's the Creative Pep Talk Podcast, and this is uh, Andy J. Miller. Um, This is my podcast, and um, the purpose of it is to give you a short and sweet little pep uh, for you creative folk out there. I feel like um, that pursuing a creative career is... A series of struggles, and I don't mean that. You know, for, for uh, full disclosure, currently, uh, thank God, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm doing pretty well. My uh, as far as the work coming in, I've got good jobs coming in. Um, my finances are pretty good. Um, you know, I'm not rich <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I'm not struggling financially. You know, that's not the struggle that I'm talking about. The struggle I'm talking about is that, um, you know, that creativity in general is a topic of struggle, of discomfort, of pushing forward uh, and growth. And growth, you never grow from, uh, you rarely grow from the pleasurable experiences. And so um, I personally feel like the creative people that I know have uh, creative struggles personal struggles emotional struggles um, all wrapped up into one kind of package Uh, and that's what that's what a big part of this show is about it's um, hopefully encouraging you to uh, spur on but then also um, I want to make this show about breakthrough for me um, I'm just a passionate obsessor over, um, breakthroughs in my own life and my own creative, uh, uh endeavors and, and my work. And then also helping be a catalyst of breakthrough for other people that there's not much in the world that I like more, uh, than, than to help someone to have some kind of breakthrough. And um, I love to just reflect information back. I love to think over the issues that creative um, professionals face and try to get to the bottom of things and articulate things in a way that hopefully creates small breakthroughs um, mentally. And when you understand things a little bit clearer and you gain a little bit of clarity in your own uh, path, uh, I think that enables breakthroughs to happen. And so that's kind of what this show is about. And I'm going to keep trying to deliver it to you. uh, a few times a week just to uh, get you through the week and help, help you just always feel like um, you've got momentum building in your uh, creative pursuit, which uh, I think is a big deal to um, uh, enjoying your career as well as like just keep, just keep going. Um, so today what I want to talk about was how haters kill your destiny. And I have personal experience with this, and there's I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm going to start with kind of a story. So when I was a kid, we moved around a lot, and uh, I moved from Indiana to western New York, like an hour south of Buffalo, when I was about 12. I was going into middle school. I'd actually already started middle school. And um, we went in... To a place called Jamestown, New York, and I I was—I started at a small school, and um, things were going all right. You know, the first month, I felt like—I think small environments feel more natural to me, anyway. But um, people, I think, when you have a small school, there's less cliques. You know, people are more friendly, and um, more than anything. They were just interested in this kid that came from somewhere they didn't know anything about. Um, and, you know, I, I made some friends pretty quickly. Um, but shortly after uh, arriving, <laughs> it, I had this weird mix-up. And the truth is, I don't exactly know what happened. But I will. But I am very suspicious uh, that, that what happened was not intentional So it's hard to even explain how this happened, but some chain of events led to becoming boyfriend-girlfriend with the most popular girl in my grade. And uh, I'm pretty certain that she didn't actually want to ask me out. (laughs) That somehow that happened, and she was too nice to kind of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> say, uh, actually, I didn't mean to ask you out. I don't know. I don't really know exactly how it happened. It was, it's kind of complex. But that serendipitous uh, moment actually instantly uh, supercharged my popularity. And I, I, I became really popular. And that continued for the three years that I lived there. And I think, you know, when you're, um, when you're a teenager affirmation is like the, the most intense drug. Um, and then I think, you know, personally, I feel like just growing up, um, without my mom present, um, she kind of split the scene when I was young and I think I was just really hungry for that affirmation. Um, you know, even just from a young age. And I think, So, so anyway, I was just really popular, you know, um, when I was in middle school, but then we moved back to Indiana to a place called Columbus, Indiana, and we moved to a bigger school. And I remember the first day, um, and I didn't even start with, it was freshman year, but it was a few months into freshman year. So all the clicks had already been made. And, uh, I think it was like October and, um, I I remember eating lunch by myself, <laughs> myself the first couple of days, and it was just the worst feeling in the world. I was so depressed. I'd moved from where I felt like king to being the bottom of the totem pole, and you know, I really feel like that through these experiences that I learned some wisdom that I've carried along, and and I, it's stuff I still forget, but I I try to remember, and so. Being at the bottom felt so terrible and I so desperately wanted that affirmation that I just, I, the only thing I knew was that if I was popular, I would have that thing back. And, um, you know, I think, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such an embarrassing story to tell But I, I feel like there's wisdom in it And there's something to share And even if uh, Even if there's not Maybe it's just th- therapeutic To kind of share the story So I was really depressed, really And uh, for the first, you know For freshman, sophomore, junior year um, I tried to be popular, basically Which is so dumb And obviously trying to be cool never works uh, And I managed This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. To kind of weasel my way into the popular group But I don't think any of them actually liked me Uh, And I didn't really like them Not to diss them If you're listening to this somehow No offense But you know We just didn't have any chemistry We didn't You know we, We We just clearly weren't The types of people that mixed very well And uh so even by the time I'd kind of weaseled my way in there, I just felt miserable. I wasn't connecting with these people. I didn't feel close to them. I feel like they didn't understand me, and I didn't understand them. And uh, the whole time, I was actually working at a movie theater, and um, there was a lot of people there that didn't go to my school who showed interest in being my friend, and uh me being um, totally blinded by this ridiculous ambition just didn't really give them the time of day um, and it wasn't until like the end of junior year that um, I just had completely been fed up with all this pursuit and uh, I just gave up and it was probably the best you know I definitely think that was like 2004 um, so many things changed uh, during that time and I uh, you know, I started just hanging out with my uh, movie theater friends and a few friends from church. And um, those relationships actually continue to today. They're my first real uh, f- meaningful kind of friendships as a young adult. And uh, I learned something from that about affirmation and about, um, you know, when I would quit worrying about people think people that I didn't necessarily like that. I didn't, uh, really, you know, I I wasn't seeking their affirmation for who they were as people and their merit. I was seeking it based on just this intangible, um, feeling that was no good. It wasn't worthwhile. And I actually think that there's something to glean from this when it comes to, uh, creative careers and pursuits. Um, but before I get to that, let's just let, let me put a pin in that and I'll come back and then I'll just talk about, uh, Drake for a minute. (laughs) I'm not God and I don't, uh, I don't claim to know what Drake's destiny is, but I do have some thoughts and, uh, you know, I could be completely wrong, but just as an example, um, if you look at Drake, I'll, I feel like he's someone who has been uh, hated on by his community in such a strong way. And, and in my mind, it seems like he makes a lot of decisions based on these critiques. And so when it comes to, um, whenever you get, if you look at the, an industry as a whole, um, you're always going to have things that are sexier and, and more appealing and cooler and things that are less so. And the things that are less so, um, people go out of their way to diminish them and to um, and, and sometimes these things that are less cool are actually um, more successful or they're, you know they're for a wider group of people. And so I think when you look at hip hop, It's, uh, you can see that, uh, I love using hip hop as a, uh, (laughs) as my examples, because I'm guessing a lot of you guys don't actually (laughs) listen to hip hop and I don't listen to it very much either, but, um, it's kind of what I was, what I grew up on. And so maybe that's why I like to use it as an example. But, um, if you look at hip hop, when it comes to that crowd, to me, it seems like the people that are uh, most celebrated as the coolest of the cool are the people that, are the most hardcore when it comes to pure, unadulterated rap. And I think people like Drake, who are known as, like, emo, R&B rap, um, get a lot of, uh, you know, crap for that, you know? And I think that uh, with Drake... He did all this R&B singing, but he also does rap, and I feel like over time you've seen him focus more and more on developing his rap chops, and so his albums become more and more hardcore rap. Uh, if you look at his biggest single to date, one that, as far as I know, is kind of a um, an outlier on the new album, is uh, Hold On, We're Going Home. It's his only uh, big single. I think it might even be, it was a number one hit, I don't know, but that song to me you know as an artist what you're looking for is what natural thing do you have that in the right market can transcend everybody else and i feel like whether you like that song or not doesn't matter but it transcended because look at look at this so a it was a number 1 hit on the radio which he never didn't drake didn't have any of that it was also uh I think, the number one song from Pitchfork that year. You know, that transcended all other uh, R&B and pop in a lot of ways. But he keeps focusing on getting better as a rapper. Now, compare that to someone like Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is kind of this... um, Genius rapper that's uh celebrated from the industry as probably the coolest rapper uh, in the rap game currently and if you listen to him rap, you know it's like a fish in water like it is he he goes in the studio he writes it on the spot, and he wraps circles around maybe any other rapper of ever it's just That's his thing. It's transcendent. It just also happens to be the thing that is uh, the coolest thing in that industry. Now, I just wish that Drake would focus on the other stuff. I like that music. Maybe it's just selfish. I like his R&B stuff a little bit better. Um, But I also think that all of that negative feedback is just possibly putting him on a side road off his path that he shouldn't be on. And I feel like in my life, there have been plenty of times where people that were, that I perceived to be really cool. Uh, and I use that term intentionally cool, uh, really cool gave me feedback that threw me onto a side path off of the path that I should have been on. And, and it really, it gave me a big detour. And, and you know what the great, grace of life is that even on those detours, you can learn skills and learn things that you can apply, uh, to, to what you do, what you're supposed to do. That's the, that's the grace of, uh, the universe. But I feel like sometimes those comments were meant to put me on a side road. They were meant to diminish what, what I, what my actual path they were. Um, sometimes they weren't, sometimes they didn't mean to. Um, and I think, but, uh, I, my point is this affirmation from people that you perceive at, that, as cooler than you or that you respect or whatever, um, or just affirmation in general is such a slippery, uh, thing to, uh, pursue. And I, and I think there's a degree of affirmation that we as people need, but I think when it comes to your, um, I think when it comes to your career, if you're too much of an affirmation, uh, uh, obsessor, you're likely to get thrown off the path if that's your highest, uh, goal, especially if you're looking for affirmation that, um, from, from, you know, the cool crowd. Um, because I think what you have to do is sit back and ask yourself, okay, I do need affirmation basically to tell me that I'm going the right direction, but I need it from the right people. So who are the people on my um, seeking out affirmation list? Who are the people that I put down on that list because they were the hot stuff that were cool? And who is actually doing stuff like I want to do? Who's who's actually a, can be a signpost to the type of work that I actually want to do? And, and And then I'll get I'll try to, you know, um, develop positive relationships within that so I can get relevant feedback. I think one of the biggest things that helps this is to understand uh, a level of self-awareness pertaining to what you want to do as a creative person, which I think also looks like understanding what your creative values are. What do you value in art? not what do the cool people think is worthwhile. That doesn't actually matter. What matters is that you transcend on the path that you're going on. And when I say transcend, I just mean you take, you have this natural raw talent, you've developed these skills, and the market that you're supposed to be in, you shine above other people um, in a brilliant way, in a way that you can't fake that's the question and i feel like if you're out there um searching for affirmation that that you really don't don't need or want in your heart uh you're going to get mixed up and you're going to go down the wrong path now i personally am someone who tries to hold uh destiny and anti-destiny kind of in relativity so I try to think of it as um, a lot of my things in my life have felt like there was a clear kind of um, almost predetermined path and then there's a lot of elements that have felt right where I made it up as I went. And so I feel like you gotta hold those things. Um, at least my approach is I, I hold those things in unison, even though they're contrasting. And I think some of the most truthful things in the world, you have to kind of do that. You kind of have to hold two truths at the same time. Um, and so that's kind of my approach. That that's how I deal with destiny, um, or. Or uh, your path or whatever it is. You know, I almost completely believe in it and completely don't at the same time. Um, and I feel like that, that's actually a valuable, uh, it's been valuable for me to kind of understand that for myself. Um, but I think it's important to go back through your life, go back through your career and say, what were the moments when someone tried to diminish what, what it is I do and it threw me off onto a side road that I should have never gone on? What were the, when I go get feedback from somebody, um, what are the things like when I get feedback from people now, I don't think, okay, this person's better than me. Therefore, everything they say is going to be the gospel. No, I think here's the things that I think that they have that I appreciate and are things that I want. Here's the things that I know that, that they think are important, but they're not things that I want to do in my career. And so when they give me feedback pertaining the first one, I'm going to listen and I'm going to do something about it. But when they give me feedback that's pushing me in a direction that is maybe closer to what they do but not what I want to do, I'm not going to take that on board or I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Then I really do do that. And it it definitely um, is less confusing than it used to be when I used to get feedback from uh, peers and teachers. Um, I think when you're young, that kind of feedback can throw you all over the shop, you know, So I think that this is such an important thing um, to to really dive in. And and I think it's actually a deeper conversation than um, ignore the haters. Because I think there are times when criticism, um, even I I had criticism early on in my career that was maybe a little bit hateful, but it actually caused me to grow. It actually, you know, that brutal honesty... There were times when it was accurate and it actually helped me. And so I, I think it's a, a deeper conversation than ignore the haters um, completely. But I do think it's a, it's helpful to understand how they're possibly stealing the most important thing from you. You know, one, th- one way I look at it is um, when I go visit these uh, big cities, whether it's London or New York City or Portland, um, when I go there... I'm very jealous of, uh, the level of creativity and the, the, the amount of, um, amazing creative people that are practicing in these places. And, uh, I'm very jealous of what that feels like, you know? Um, but I think partially for me, one of the benefits of kind of being a part Um, from the day in, day out of my industry is that I feel like I've um, been able to make some courageous decisions that I wouldn't have made if I had that feedback in my face every day of like what's cool and what's not. Because I think when you... When you get a big group of people together and they're all saying um, different things what of cool, what's cool and what's not, um, it can be very hard to navigate that, and you can be very can cause you to be very self-conscious about what it is you pursue. It can also mean that um, some of the times I see these people that are in these bigger groups um, in these large cities, and it means that the decisions they do make are so vetted and thoughtful that um, that they're fantastic. They really work. Um, <clears throat> but I also think that some of these solo guys that are spread out throughout the globe, um, make some of the most interesting decisions, um, and come up with the most, uh, courageous projects because they, they don't have that, um, feedback in their face and that, um, in that constant kind of, uh, affirmation or, or non affirmation of, of the, of the things that they want to do that are different, but it's actually those things, those choices that you make that aren't maybe cool. I think those are the things that actually make, give you a viable career. They're the things that make you unique and it makes your, it's actually the key to transcend transcendent work is the stuff that nobody else would do. Like the stuff that everybody else thinks, eh, I don't know about that. That thing, when you start getting onto those paths, it should be a little bit scary. Because once, you once you're do, once you doing the work that nobody else should do, that's, a, that's the place where you're alone. And when you're there, it should start to feel scary. So if you're not feeling scared of the projects you're doing, you need to dig deeper. And maybe it's just a matter of time. For some people it is. But... If you're not a little bit scared of the work you're doing, you're probably not pushing past that barrier um, quite enough. And so uh, I think that's about it. And I hope this uh, helps you. Uh, I thank you people who have uh, reviewed this on iTunes. Even if it's uh, secretly my mom, I don't care. I appreciate uh, um I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I, I think that that's a good way for people to find this show if, if it goes up in the ratings in iTunes and like the arts category. Um, and I definitely believe in the show, and I really appreciate all the feedback you've been uh, giving me on Twitter and um, social media. Uh, I really appreciate that. That definitely gives me um, more momentum to keep this thing uh, going. Um, you know, thanks for allowing me to be part of your routine, part of your day. Um, I hope that something I said, um, sparks some, uh, breakthrough in, in your work. Um, thank you so much. I will speak with you soon.